The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 219 Breakdown. Last card of the year, my friends. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night Dark night It's a dark night What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom, analyst whose work you can find at MMAJunkie.com. You can also find me five days a week at MMA Junkie Radio, but on this year's program... The Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA, and this is a breakdown, albeit not a normal one, a breakdown show. The last breakdown show of 2018, in fact. Uh, that's right, uh, UFC 219 closing out the year here in Vegas. As per usual, it's a crazy week. This will be kind of an expedited version, kind of like the week before. I'm, I'm kind of in a similar pickle, just, again, uh, Nothing really to point to, just not enough hours in the damn day. Uh, it was crazy. I hope you guys all had a, had a good Christmas. Um, as you were thinking, hey, Dan, you had a week off, asshole. What's your excuse this time? Like, no, it's not really a week off. It's a week to catch up on the Christmas stuff that I was not doing because I was breaking down fight stuff and trying to catch up at least on all the other stuff that I've been putting off in my personal life. It was nice. I even actually got to watch something that was non-fight related, ca- caught up on some Stranger Things to, to finish that season. Still haven't watched the Star Wars movies all you kids keep fucking talking about um I, I i do look to do that but yeah i mean dan tom was making time to do some important things i even grappled sure uh i probably shouldn't have uh but uh but but i had to man i, I had to get back on the mats at extreme couture as you know it's been kind of a, a crazy week for, for for dan tom and those here in vegas and the vegas community extreme couture recently so uh it was good to see uh my family and friends there Show support. Uh, anyways, I just hope you guys really had a, a, a good, uh, good uh, Christmas uh, or holiday or whatever you celebrate. Uh, my Jew- my Jewish brothers and sisters out there, um, and have a safe New Year. That's coming up here in the next uh, in the next next couple days. Here um, on on this year program, we had uh, Jordan Fiegelman back on the show. Uh, Jordan uh, at Orda Nation Sports with no O. Uh, you know, he, he came on last time and we had a lot of good feedback. I enjoyed it at least. Yeah, we had a good time because we're buddies, but more importantly, I had some good listener feedback. That's right. Uh, your feedback is listened to. Thank you guys who reach out, who talk, who share the episode, who have rated it on iTunes, five stars, ratings, and reviews, which we actually got some new ones, I think, but excuse me for time's sake, we won't be reading it on uh, today's show. Um, but, uh, but thank you guys. And by the way, at the PYN podcast on Twitter for that feedback at the PYN podcast is important because that is the address for Instagram and Facebook. The likes and follows are really appreciated there as well. But, uh, you know, or feel free to, of course, to, you know, reach out to me at Dan Tom MMA, um, at the underscores if you want to look for me on uh, Instagram, but mainly on Twitter there. Uh, and, and of course, the, the hashtag, Protect Your Neck Podcast, which will be apropos being back into play and used more often, as I will get to here in a second. But, um, but yeah, uh, 
thank you guys. Uh, you know, for, if, if, again, feedback, shares, all that stuff means so much more than the click through stuff. Which again, I'm not going to read off. Uh, there actually was a, a decent amount because it was Christmas. Thank you guys so much. Um, I was actually planning to read off those, especially the Amazon ones today, um, to give shouts to the people who use the click-through banners. That's right, at mixedmarshallanalyst.com. It's still up and running, baby. Um, I'm, 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 I'm talking, I'm hashing out some ideas for YouTube content. Uh, that, that That is not just me, because who, who the hell wants uh, that? And secondly, I, obviously, like I just said, I don't, I don't know how much more time Dan Tom has to give uh, you, me, or anybody else for that matter. But, um... But the, the, the uh, mixedmarshallanus.com, you know, it hosts this here podcast, and that's where you can find the on it and Amazon uh, click through. So, thank you for that. Um, pretty much, uh, we had Jordan on. We ended up kind of like we do because you know, uh, again, a lot of people I have on this show, not a lot, pretty much everybody I've had on this show have been active, legitimate friends of mine. So. Um, we tend to, to to get along well, anyways. But uh, we we just started kind of getting into it, and I was like, you know what? Halfway through, um, I was like, fuck it, we're getting so deep into this. This is like, let's let's have this serve as the main breakdown, which is good because again, with time running out on old Dan Tom, I'm not having enough time to put as much as I would like to. So thank you, Jordan, again, and apologies to Jordan and to advance apologies to listeners, I guess. I'm like half awake. I'm waking up while we're recording this. Uh, It was actually early Thursday. It wasn't even late at night. It was early in the evening, late in the afternoon, depending on what time zone you're operating in. And uh, just Dan Tom, the way I have to get sleep and the way it kind of fits in, um, I I set my alarm. I just took a quick nap, like a power nap, but I I was up like an hour before it. My God, you'll hear. I'm just like trying to wake up through the whole thing. I had coffee and alpha brain beforehand too. Like I thought I hedged my bets. And uh, old Dan Tom was just having trouble grabbing certain words. And thankfully, Jordan, as he always does, uh, Mr. Fiegelman came strong. Um, and especially with energy, knowledge, facts, and some DraftKings um, and fantasy MMA advice and insight. So we'll be getting to that here in a second. And then when we come back, I'm just going to kind of run through my plays and picks because my article is out now at MMAJunkie.com as it usually is on Friday. But again, when we were recording that section, um, it was not yet finalized, nor was I awake to really talk about it. And I missed a lot of points that I did want to talk about. So hopefully I will recap those at the end here. Uh, And this will be kind of coming out to you maybe a little later. So again, expedited uh, version. Um... Junkie Radio, Junkie Nation. Yeah, of course, shout out to Junkie Nation, by the way. As crazy as it is, one of the big tying factors that's kind of tied me down has been Junkie Nation and the members of Junkie Nation reaching out, whether it's DMs, well wishes, even some of you going giving me Christmas cards, which y'all didn't have to do, and that was super kind. So I really wanted to give a shout out to everybody in Junkie Nation. And I'm apologizing for not bringing up names, which is probably good. No time and not in a place to remember everybody, which means I will probably upset more people than I give credit to. Uh, the next top five episode is coming out. I already have a schedule. We're going to start the new year with some new guests. And uh, one, of my, one, of, one, of, one of my friends I've been trying to have on the show for a minute now, uh, a good dude over there, Zane Simon, editor at Bloody Elbow, uh, a, a, a great outlet to check out, uh, bloodyelbow.com. Uh, we're going to have him on. We'll be doing... Uh, uh, a top five episode. I don't know if I want to give it just yet, but uh, if I could, you guys are listeners. You deserve it. Hardcore is here. Top five title defenses. That'll be the first week. I don't know if that will be an award. Uh, not, not, it won't be an award show episode, but I guess what I'm saying is I might attach like a, a, a pre-recorded section of awards, but I kind of want to have it on an own award show. I'm still trying to work it out because Dan Tom is going on vacation for the first week of January. 
But uh, during that first week of vacation, I have you taken care of, as the aforementioned top five episode with Zane will be coming out. That is scheduled. But um, awards, a lot of people are doing awards. I'm trying to be official and, and, and wait to the end of 219. So doing it in the after party show that I plan on doing with Joe and Brian probably be a little too quick of a turnaround. To allow you to vote. So what I'm going to do is after 219 that week, I'm going to through the at the PYN podcast to follow. They will be pinned. I will be doing polls uh, for awards, but they won't be your normal awards and they won't be your normal polls because they will be open polls. That's right. A, I don't have that big of an audience, so it won't be that big of a task to tally whatever you guys put forth. And B, you know, old hipster Dan has to be a hipster and the open poll will support my not-so-normal categories. In other words, instead of Fighter of the Year, where last year there's a lot to choose from, and whereas, you know, this year maybe not so much to choose from, or, you know, uh, Fight of the Year, where, you know, you constantly have the the argument, it's a brawl, brawl shouldn't get it, it should be a technical fight. I like technical fights, but I love brawls too, brawls should get it, and this one does, and that, that's the typical crux for the most part. I wanted to do things differently, so I'm going to give you guys, again, the hardcore listeners, uh, the hardcores, my listeners, my people, a quick taste of the categories. I'm just going to do just just seven categories, that's it, and they're going to be unique categories. So, in the way you kind of break them down, they're kind of open to interpretation, but they also alleviate these arguments. Um, in other words, so instead of fight of the year, I have scrap of the year. Scrap of the year can be open for interpretation. You could pick a technical fight for scrap of the year, that's fine, but you can also pick the more implied brawl. And, well, doesn't that still create the same problems? Aren't you just putting another title on it? Well, not really because uh, the second category will be technical showcase of the year. You like that? You can not just put a technical fight to alleviate said argument, but technical showcase doesn't even have to go to a fight. It can go to just a fighter and his performance. For example, if this was the year that TJ Dillashaw upset Henan Burrell, that could more than well be a technical showcase of the year. Uh, second category, heartbreak of the year. Pretty self-explanatory. Uh, fourth category, shocker of the year. All right. Fifth category, martial artist of the year. Again, another way to alleviate that fighter of the year category. You, you want to go with a, a, a martial artist. And again, martial artist of the year doesn't have to be a fight of the year granditude. Martial artist of the year could be a certain moment of the year where a fighter displayed a martial artist moment. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, again, a lot of flexibility here. Uh, kind of a pun on the band name. Story of the year is the sixth one and seventh category and final uh, feel-good moment of the year. Uh, both those last two I brushed over pretty quick. Pretty self-explanatory. Let me know what you think about those at Dan Tom MMA. But without further ado, let's get the fuck to it. UFC 219 fantasy talk and essentially a breakdown. We essentially talk about all the matches uh, to come. We'll see what music I use, but stand by. Jordan Fiegelman and I talk to you some 219. Cucarachas enojadas. What's up, you motherfuckers? We are here with the special guest. He's going to get the special curse words because he is a special guest. That's my man, Jordan Fiegelman, back for some sports fantasy talk. Particularly, that's right, UFC 219. What's up, Jordan? Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me. Earning the expletives early, 
getting that tag going. You see, I, I'm a fan of the expletive tag. I also have the F limit on my podcast, Nation of Recap, Nation of Podcast.com. We try to limit to one, 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 one to three, one to three uh, fucks per, per, per contest. You know, that's the way we like to do it. Yeah, you know, it's the same here. It's like, because you got to keep it real. And then we're like that. And especially the kind of like we were talking off Michael Danton, as per usual, running low on sleep, which means my, uh, my filter for the curse words, they get out a little bit. But as even some of the best comics, the filthy comics, my favorite comics, by the way, nothing against clean comics, but even they will say you use you know F words or certain words too much. They lose their power. They lose their punctuation. Um, so, you know, it's not even about keeping it real. There, there, there is an art to it. There, there's a certain <laughs> art to it, people. Right? Just like Nate Diaz. Just like Nate Diaz, right? He's not surprised. I'm not surprised. We got a lot of good action this weekend, right? Yeah, but can, and and I'm I, I'm actually much more excited than I was a week ago for sure. But just let me let me ask you. Speaking of being surprised, were you surprised uh, when the lineup was all said and done and and, and the uh, the smoke had cleared for UFC 219's lineup? Man, I'm a little disappointed. I would have liked to see some sort of uh, resolution with Mariah's. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that whole situation? Like dieting during the holidays. I know you've competed in the past. I've, you know, had to do some weight cuts in the past as well. I mean, I feel like you have to go into that whole holiday season period, like late, like late October, mid November, having that mindset, knowing that, you know, this is a marathon that I need to get through. So I, I, I don't know. I would have loved to see this, that fight. I loved, I loved to see it at 148, 130, you know, literally whatever way they would like to have it at, I would have loved to see it. But I don't know if I'm just being a little selfish from that perspective. You're not, man. This one has a funny taste to it. And you said like resolution and I just had in my head, was that one of the UFCs back when they were naming the cards by names like UFC resolution? Was that one of them or like? Well, I know we've had a WWE resurrection, uh, but I'm not sure about resolution. Maybe we should do some future branding. I know uh, UFC really usually could use some help and assistance in their uh, art and creative department in general. You know, it's pretty usually pretty shitty. Uh yeah yeah I I was I remember joking back in like the 2007 days like oh man I'm, I can't I can wait till they're at UFC 200s they're gonna run out of names it's gonna be like UFC 210 Rape Fest or something <laughs> so, there's the R word I don't know how many of those I get for podcasts yeah. but take one of those off the board will you uh, but, <laughs> but we but we see a lack of creativity like everywhere right I hate to like complain I hate to be like a, like a negative Nancy in this situation or you know whatever adjective and uh, noun you'd like to include but we have one fight pass fight like what's the deal like and this isn't the first time this year that we've seen you know one two maybe three fight pass fights what what happened to the days where like fight pass like the headliner of fight pass was like a really like you know heralded spot like we were seeing that sort of transition where that's almost like a headline area you know and then all of a sudden it's back to the snickel fridge is that is that how the direction we're moving why am i paying you know 9.99 per month like what, what like what's like motivating other than fight research, obviously, but like, are you feeling this way also? Yeah, man, it's tough. I mean, I'm, obviously, I'm bound to fight pass. Not only am I bound to fight pass, I actually want to challenge them for like uh, my challenge to fight pass is going to be pull up your analytics. If I am not in your top three, that's including your staff for most hours clocked on fight pass. I will pay double my prescription a month. But if I am in that top three, free fight pass for life, bitch. That's the uh, that's the that's the deal. Taking a bitch off the board. Uh, <laughs> that's the that's the, that's the deal I'm putting out there, man. No, I, I I feel you. And then also maybe 
speaking more broader beyond Fight Pass, what about the days of having big year-end cards, man? The days where we, they were so big that we had big mammoths like Brock Lesnar and, and Alistair Overeem juiced to the gills, and they were doing surprise drug tests on those motherfuckers, and the, the fight still went on. I mean, you know, the, the, they, they would pull out the stops back in the day for these shows. <laughs> Do we have to blame uh, Jeff, uh, big old Jeff Nowitzki and USADA? Is this a coincidence? Uh, I'm not really sure. Hey, man, depending on who you ask, this headline has a... Uh, assumptions on both sides and in that regards but that's not fair because i like both ladies i like this fight and you know what to be fair there there is there is a lot to be excited about uh you know again not if you want to compare it to you know a stacked uh madison square garden card or these cards of the past that me and jordan are referring to but there's some good matchups on here and uh we're going to talk about them from a fantasy perspective of course um for those of you who are truly sick in the head, not just sick in the head, I will, uh, as probably the last time, be on after, uh, for the segment after with uh, more of the technical analysis and my takes as far as that, uh, when this is being recorded, I'm actually still finalizing my betting article um, and fantasy articles, but uh, we're going to unpack it together, and uh, I got a professional uh, on, the, on the program here with me to, 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 to help uh, Yes, yes, we we do have a sense of humor about ourselves, people. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's well, okay. Uh, we'll help each other get through it a little bit. There's a lot of like really cool mid range fights here. There's a lot of like stuff that makes me like want to stay away, but you know, as you say, crack open something and enjoy the fight. As a fan, we see a lot of these stay away things, like we mentioned. Also, there's only ten fights, right? Like we talked about, like the lack of fight pass death. So we might see a lot of concentration in these contests on DraftKings, especially in these like high dollar, uh, guaranteed prize pools. Uh, last time we did a little lineup. Maybe we'll do that this time as well. We see a lot of money to be won per usual, right? So, like, regardless if this fight does not have Brock Lesnar, if there's no PEDs, if there's a lack of PEDs, if Holly Holm has been tested five times, 30 times, 20, you know, whatever it may be, there's still money to be won, right? So, regardless, we need to get to work and, and do that for you guys. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and I think that's a big outline here to, to kind of start off the top is that. There is a limited, uh, you know, since we were talking about that, I think it plays to what we're going to be talking about, the the fantasy lineup. It is limited. So, again, from your perspective, forgive me if I'm being captain obvious here, Jordan, but when you have a a limited selection, and not only limited selection, like, I'll I'll be honest, uh, I think only, you know, there's a lot of fights where there's live dogs, and we'll, we'll talk about those, but I think I might have only officially sided with one underdog, and uh, I, I kind of go with what my eyes see. So, I, you know, some cards will be chalkier than others. But in other words, I wouldn't be surprised if other people are chalky on this card. Plus the fact that it's limited. Does this mean we're going to see a lot of the same lineups and we should kind of keep that in mind when we're building our card here? I think there's a lot of things to keep in mind, right? Um, if you're playing cash games, it's, you know, you probably don't want to have a lineup that doesn't have Khabib or, you know, Cyborg, right? Because... You, your expectations need you need to be maybe 55, 60% of the field if you're doing head-to-heads. More is always better, right? Um, in these large prize pools, that you know, there's a high entry limits, 150 lineups, 20 lineups, whatever it may be. Maybe get a little more creative. Maybe leave some salary on the table to kind of differentiate yourself. You know, we only have six roster spots to fill out. There's only 20 fighters total as, you know, down from maybe 26, sometimes even 28 that we'll see, you know, so there's only so many combinations that we could really do. Usually there's, um, 
a nice little mid range. You know, last last time we spoke, we talked a little bit about how we kind of both expected Nganu to have an early knockout, but he's so expensive. Like, are we playing our cards right by trying to be a little contrarian? Are we going with the crowd? Here we have a situation where we have a lot of fighters in the nine thousand dollar range. Like, right, we have Cyborg at ninety three hundred, we have Khabib at ninety one hundred. We have Cavillo at 9,200, and we have Roundtree at 9,400, right? So it's tough because how many of those could you try to have? Maybe one. one I think you at least want to have one, right? Two, if you're lucky, but you're going to have to take some – you know, some chances. You're going to have to have a guy like Dan Hooker involved. You're going to have to take some risks on maybe Neil Magny, maybe Edson Barbosa even. These situations where more often than not, you know, the things that we believe to be true are going to play out and then we're going to end up losing. But that is what the the sometimes downfall of being a natural contrarian is, right? No, totally, totally. Yeah, and you're giving me flashbacks to uh, our, our, our lineup. Uh, I don't think it did too well. But uh, <laughs> at one point I was like, yeah, we got this. And then it, uh, things took a, took a turn for the worse, just like it did for, uh, you know. Mr. Reem. <laughs> but, yeah, you know what, though? We covered a lot in that little segment. We got some uh, good feedback from the listeners. So hopefully we can uh, we can cover some angles for the listeners again. So um, not not holding us right to this very second to build a lineup, but that's what we'll, we'll kind of steadily build toward here. Um, uh, again, uh, especially on a card where it's chalk heavy um, – Regardless whether it's chalk, whether I think it's chalk heavy or not, when I'm kind of a building a card, I'll kind of look bottom to top. I don't know if that's a common thing or not because I think a lot of times we want to go top to bottom, and that's where you obviously will run out of money faster. Whereas you look at what dogs that you kind of uh, want to get in mind and maybe play with first, and then I, I guess I kind of go from there. Would that be a good strategy for a, a card like this, where again it's going to be a, a free for all for the favorites? Yeah, I would probably agree that's a good way to do it. Um, but at the same time, you have to think, you know, you have to have flexibility. You have to be able to, like, roll with the punches and change your game plan up a little bit. And this card is going to be different than a lot of other cards. You know, sometimes we have pricing errors. Sometimes by the end of the week we'll have some line movement where a dog who is eventually priced turns into a favorite. In this situation, where we don't have any of that, right? So yeah, you have to look at it in terms of who do you find, uh, you know – Approachable. Who do you find to be like the le- the the least expensive person that you could like suffer to to invest your money into? Right. Well, uh, let, let let let's just start picking out a matchup in particular here, and why not start with my uh, my only official my only official dog pick of the whole card, which is actually I actually took Rick Glenn, um, and the, the reason is the dynamic essentially uh, southpaw pressure. He's durable, and Jory should be the favorite here. I have no, I have no contention there. I thought the line was off, and apparently I'm not the only one because, unfortunately, I think this is the one uh, fight kind of apropos to what you just said. Uh, it is the one fight that has experienced that midweek to opener line movement because mm-hmm. Rick Glenn was initially a plus 240, and I'm seeing a minus 170 dropping. Um, so that's that's pretty significant, especially compared to to to, to the stone stiff lines that I've I've seen all week. Um, so I guess I'm not crazy there, but again, the dynamic of a guy like Glenn, which I like, I like these Barbarina, these Glenn type guys who are really underrated. They don't get respect from the odds makers, and they're very match dependent guys as far as where they're primed to upset. Uh, the problem is they're kind of slow burns, right? They're slow builds. Um, he's not a big takedown guy. Jury is going to have the wrestling advantage. 
Um, so not only do I not blame people for picking jury, but I wouldn't even blame people for, you know, picking jury for a fantasy perspective because the way to stop the pressure and to stop Glenn from taking over is jury is going to have to go to his takedowns. So even though I see Glenn winning, I do see Glenn seceding a lot of takedowns, but having to have big rounds two and three. So even though, in other words, even though he's my biggest favorite dog uh, on paper for me, I'm not how confident he plays well for DraftKings here. Do you have an opinion on this one? Well, so when we look at um, the line movement, right? So you mentioned that uh, Glenn opened as the favorite originally. Uh, no, not at all. But I mean, he he opened as a plus two forty dog, and now okay, so we got some nice down movement. to a minus seventy one seventy dog. So it's getting even more evened out. And so what I'm looking at now on bestfightodds.com is it seems like uh, Miles Jury is getting some positive action in the past, you know, 12 hours, something along those lines. So I don't know how much we could really look into that. Should we do it less? Should we do it more? I'm not sure. Maybe you're kind of programmed to look for value at every opportunity because, you know, you're you're betting and, and things along those lines. I think that the something – so that I always try to get in my underdogs is I want the underdog to have the wrestling advantage, right? Because yeah. worse comes to worse. If they're getting, if, if things don't go well, I want to have that opportunity to at least get, you know, some takedown points of advance, especially since we've had this scoring change about a year ago. So I think that I would probably pass on, on Glenn in this situation, but at, at 7,400, I would probably look to get 100 more and talk about an underdog in the uh, hooker and the Casey fight. Mm-hmm. I think that, uh, you know, Dan is a very live underdog. He is his, his fight IQ might be, you know, top 10%, right? I think that he is, is that sharp. He, I love his fight breakdowns. He spent some time at Easton training center where I train, where Neil Magny trains, obviously Neil at a significantly higher level than myself and, and Dan. And, you know, all these things. But I think that Dan really has a shot. I think that DeCasey is so kind of uh, aggressive in his in his uh, his attack. And he is so, you know, fast, fast twitch almost that I think that uh, Hooker's craftiness really has an opportunity to get some sort of, uh, you know, submission victory or at least have the ground advantage in general. I'm with you there, too. I really want to pick Dan Hooker. And I I, I ended up uh, officially siding with DeCasey. Although it wasn't too confident, and I think the line's correct and slightly favoring him and keeping it close. I'm a big Dan Hooker fan, which is why I hate picking against him. But as people know me, um, guys I really like, I tend to overcorrect the steering wheel maybe personally. And, 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 uh, and, and perhaps I'll bite myself for not picking him here. But uh, I am looking at him for my DraftKings team as well. But again, this is kind of another thing where even though he's one of the, the dogs I point to as live, the reason why I went with DKC is because of the clinch and his path to victory. Not only his path to victory, but in order to stop what Dan Hooker is good at and what Dan Hooker will probably have to do to win this fight, which is either countering D.A. Casey's aggression and or, as I think when it comes round two and three, we're going to see Dan Hooker pressure D.A. Casey more um, once his power kind of shoots out from the first round. The problem is to stop either of those two things, Dia Casey is going to clinch with him, which he does in all fights, whether he should, shouldn't, on paper, tired, it doesn't matter. He he does this naturally, and I think that actually serves him well in this match, even though Dan Hooker has gotten better at his wrestling and has a decent percentage, which, again, sample sizes and, and stats can be tricky. But uh, against the cage, he still struggles, and that's where D. Casey gets most of them. So I see D. Casey scoring a lot of takedowns, even if even though I feel Dan Hooker's live. So I'll probably end up putting Dan Hooker on my team with what I'm kind of putting together now, as as far as I guess value. But but yeah, again, it's one of those things where the favorite has 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 a bit of a takedown edge. I feel. 
Yeah, and at the same time, you have someone who is dangerous off his back and Dan Hooker. He also has you know some yes. nice guillotine and stuff like that. I think that his fight with Knight, obviously his fight with Pearson, uh, very violent, that uh, really back and forth. I think that they kind of both got off on that sort of environment. But I think his fight with Knight really showed a lot of his uh, – I don't say lack of like, you know, grit and, and toughness, but sometimes he, he really overthinks things. And when he didn't have the ground advantage, when he realized like he couldn't use his submission game, I think that he really kind of went for a turn for the worst. So maybe he's gotten better. He, you know, it's tough when you're training from Thailand, Australia, all these things. But when we talk about who we're going to pick, who we're not going to pick, you yeah. know, you have Neil Magny at 7,700, but then you look at someone also like our, our homeboy, Martin Vittori at 8,600, right? Yeah. So if we're comparing Mark to Casey at 87 to someone like Vittori, I think we got to go with Vittori, right? And his advantage over Akhmedov is, is to me is like significantly ahead of uh, to Casey's potential advantage over hooker. Yeah, me too. Uh, do you want to do you want to touch on that match real quick? Because Vittori is, uh, I'll peek my hand. I'll, I'll touch more on it in my article, which is coming out uh, tomorrow or probably today by the time you're listening to this on MMAJunkie.com. But uh, I don't know if I'm going to be adding to it or not. But so far, Vittori is my only uh, uh, parlay piece, and you know I've gotten burned on counting Akhmedov out. I guess in the, you know in his last fight. But um, but still, when I when I look when I when I look at it, the, he, he, there's still a clear ceiling to me when you look at a guy mm-hmm. like Madoff, even if he outperformed. And when he outperformed, it's it's because me and a lot of people were maybe not giving him enough credit. And even when you go back and look at those fights, he still didn't overperform any previous mark set. So he's not getting better. He's essentially the same fighter. And uh, if you can take his heavy shots with the chin, which Vittori has, uh, if you have a better gas tank which, than him, which is not hard to do, and Vittori has, and uh, you have better wrestling, which Vittori is very underrated wrestling, uh, and he showed that, um, and grappling in general, just with his fight with Shoeface. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I have a hard time seeing Akhmedov win this fight. I don't know how confident I am in a finish. I, I think it does go to the later rounds. But I'm confident in Vittori, so I, I may be looking to put him on the team. What, what, what's your opinion there for, 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 for DraftKings? I think so. Also, I am also not really, uh, really, really out Amari as uh, as a GPP punt. You know, if you're making 20 lineups like we talked about in the past, he is going to get some takedowns. And those are, you know, you could bank some points. If, if the worst thing you want is a zero-point loss. If you could get away with a 30-point loss, 40-point loss, that's, you know— yeah, obviously it's not ideal, but it's better than the alternative. Um, is Vittori still at Kings? Do you know that? I know that we've seen a lot of improved grappling with him, but I haven't been following him as closely as I probably should be. Yeah, he's been consistently over there at Kings, and then uh, and, and and even still training around too. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he 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 went to Florida a couple times, and then I recently saw him at this camp with um, who also was a former Kings guy too. But I don't think this was at Kings. Um, what's his name? Pat. Uh, Pat Cummins. Um, nice. So I mean, he's 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 just getting looks all around, and you know, uh, I just like what I see. I like what I hear from the guy, and I think these Italian and, and European guys are kind of underrated. I think a lot of the stereotypes, I think, are, are slowly getting being leveled out in MMA. Um, in he's got to be the best fight. Italian uh, best Italian fighter, right? <laughs> him and hey, him and Dechirka, both uh, in the. Uh, uh, middleweight, uh, mid- UFC middleweight division. I like both those guys. Bobby Booby or whatever he said. Hey, I'll take it. I'll take it. Right. Um, so yeah, I like Vittori. I like Ahmedov a little bit. I could see DeCasey. I could see, I think I'll end up having a lot of lineups that have Vittori and Hooker. I, as I'm like getting my, uh, 
kind of initial builds going. I think I'm, what I'm going to end up doing is I'm going to end up having, uh, I think two lineups. Let me pull up my contest really quick, but I think I'm going to have two lineups that are going to have, you know, a uh, semi substantial amount of money on them. And then I'm going to try to maybe put uh 20 to 30 lineups in the, uh, the $10, which is the $125,000 fish hook at $20,000 to first place, $10 entry fee, 14,700 entries. Uh, but then you also got the, you know, $4, uh, 20 max, which you could, you know, max out at $80. Everybody's at a, a level playing field. So I, but when I, when I talk about GPP punts and people that I want to base, I think in those little higher dollar contests, I'm going to have a lot of hooker inventory combos to kind of yeah, build have a lot of hooker. Hey, it's the holidays. <laughs> ho, 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 Christ. motherfucker. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Yeah. Now I have a machine gun. By the way, I hope you all did your due diligence and watch Die Hard. I missed the opportunity, by the way. I'm, I'm live tweeting Die Hard next year for Christmas. God damn. I, I love that movie so much. Sorry, don't get me started on that. But but your ho, ho, ho there reminded me of the old, yeah. old Hans. I watched the uh, the guilt trip with my mother. It wasn't a very good experience. No. Oh. <laughs> Uh, it's okay. At least you spend time with the family. That that yeah. that is important. But hey, man, uh, I, I got a loaded question for you. The next one, but it's a good one because it's gonna touch on a couple matchups. A, but more importantly, you tell me. It may touch on a, a, a an angle that might be more potent on this card uh, mm-hmm. than than others. Um, now, again, forgive my terminology. This is this is why we have Jordan on here to clean it up. But. Uh, uh, you know, uh, this wouldn't be you know this wouldn't be you know for the general games not not a good strategy. But when you, when you talk about the strategy of stacking for small games, whether it's with your buddies, uh, you know, with, uh, cash, you know, w- w- you know, one versus one, or, or these kind of like scenarios like that, with limited, not just with limited, you know, uh, options on paper, depending if you're looking at it from a, a numbers or favorite perspective. But we have two flyweight fights. Uh, not only do we have the normal, you know, when you think about stacking, you think, oh, the five-round fight, oh, it's a female fight, and there's certain angles of fights where you could see it may, may, maybe being worth it, but not even so much that. It, what catches my attention as far as stacking is uh, Smolka versus Nikolau, and and even uh, maybe not so much Elliot De La Rosa, because we, we'll talk about that. We were talking a bit about the grappling edge there, but but but... Elliot does carry some 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 some, some uh, point scoring history, and and you tell me, does Smoka as well? Because these scrambly styles are, are they're deceptive, right? Yeah, I mean his fight with Ben Wynn, he ended up losing that fight, Smoka, but that was an action packed fight. I think, I think that was the Sioux Falls event, maybe two years ago, uh, the one that uh, I think uh, Lando Venata like made yeah, his like coming yeah, out party was, there. Yeah. Um, but man, I just remember sitting there with my grandmother, rest in peace, and I'm sitting there and 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 we were both watching. And she's not a fight fan at all. And she's like, "Wow, look at these little guys like flying around." And one thing that's really like catching in I don't want to say in vogue, uh, but like in, in DFS and fantasy in general, pace is huge, right? Like you want pace up game games in football and pace up games in basketball. And if you're a team like the jazz and, you know, they're a traditionally slow paced team and they're facing the Lakers or the Rockets, you want to load up on teams, players from the jazz because they're in pace up matchups. And the same is true for MMA in a sense, right? If we, obviously we want knockouts and submissions early on because that's the, the, our clearest path to points. But, you know, if we were able to do that, me and you would be living in very, very lavish estates, you know, the Dan Tom residence and stuff. I would be down the block because, 
you know, that would be how we would we would just bet all the time. Um, yeah. But when we talk about a situation where we could get like multiple takedowns, I'm really attracted to that. I think uh, Smoko is a great opportunity at 7,300. You know, he's fighting for his life. Uh, we joked about this off air. We shouldn't joke about it at all because, you know, it, it sucks. But if, if he was in any other division in the male side of the UFC, three fights, he would not be in the UFC right now on a three fight skid. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a hard it's a harsh reality. But uh, would 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 you maybe look at him as as a as a as a possible dog on any of your lineups per se? As far as you know, taking a shot. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I like I like his I like how active he is. I never I, I'll never like poo poo a guy that's that active. Same thing with Tim Elliott. He's awkward. He's going to get you those takedowns. He's very expensive, right? So he right. gets you into that range cyborg, Khalil Roundtree, all those other guys. But I, I think also a little advantage we have with the flyweights is that like the typical casual MMA fan that we kind of like talked about a little bit last episode talking about uh, why I didn't play the tough finale card being against, you know, tougher competition. If I could avoid it, things along those lines, uh, they don't like watching flyweights. You know, you talk, I talked to my friends like, yo, you, you have to watch these guys fight. Like it's, you know, DJ is the fa- the, the best in the world, best ever fast, smart, you know, super, whatever you want to call them. But you know, no one cares. That's, that's just kind of like the casual fan doesn't want to see it. And, uh, that might be an opportunity to shave some ownership off in any kind of opportunity we get. Right. Definitely. Definitely. And, and, I guess you know, and I'm actually been a defender of, of Smoke style. I thought he was a dark horse at a certain time. I think it's more of a mental maturity thing because he's still very young, and you know we see this. It's it's you know they, these are people. You know they're not they're not superheroes. You know exactly. They're they're they're, they're, they're people struggling at different stages of life, and and you know you put a hundred fighters or whatever in, in the ring, they're all going to be going through different parts and and other life, and you know fighting in a cage is is difficult even if you are a mentally physically strong and healthy person with everything going possibly right in your life that's still, exactly still an, an impossible task to ask someone to fight in the cage over and over again so again yeah we, you know we, we're very again we're very light-hearted about these things obviously uh, in a certain sense uh, as far as you know <laughs> take, take our criticisms lightly but yes yeah, mocha he's a guy who i i explain his grappling style i i really like it i i get it it's hard for people to get, but I, I, I get it. He's essentially the, – the, the way I just kind of simplify it is that he's okay with seceding small battles so that mm-hmm. he can win the overall war. And um, that means giving up side control and giving up certain positions. And he's really comfortable in these bad spots because he can reverse it and, and whatnot. And it's just one of these things where you kind of fall in these habits. Like for, for me, it's really weird. Like I'm really comfortable when someone puts me in a triangle. I, I get mm-hmm. immediately comfortable. People get panic when someone gets a good triangle catch. I'm happy because to me, I'm like, sweet. I get to tire them out and pass their guard now. Because you get some people, you know, you get uh, put in a certain bad spot so many times that you become very comfortable there. Now, Nikolau, the reason why I'm picking him because at the end of the day, you know, not just, you know, he's good against traditional wrestlers. He was good, did well against Moraga uh, and whatnot, even though he's not tr- been that tested as far as the wrestling goes, but you know, he is a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt who's grown up competing. He's been training since like 13 years old. Um, so he can definitely hold his own, but when you have these weird, unique grappling styles, it throws guys, it throw, it throws guys off. It's kind of like the thing where they talk about, uh, leg locks, leg locks. The reason why it's outlawed in a lot of Jiu Jitsu schools or you're not allowed to do it to a Brown belt is because it's the equalizer. It's one of the only submissions where a white belt can catch a black belt. (laughs) 
you mm-hmm. know. And, I, I I never thought about it from that angle, to be honest. And and you just now take that metaphor with a guy like Smoker's style or X X Fighter style, right? We see certain guys have those styles where it doesn't look like it should be effective, but it's really effective, and you can't discount that. Now it's hard to bet on it, of course, but you can't discount it. So, I, in other words, I wouldn't be surprised to see not only. Smoke and maybe score you well in the scrambles, but just up sheer out upset and catch a submission or hit him with a sidekick or you know with his unorthodox striking that you know is ever improving. And that, that's the problem with this fight with Smoke and Nikolau. They're both young guys who you know, especially Nikolau, we haven't seen in a minute, so we really don't know who we're gonna get. Um, and I guess this is a long-winded way of saying that Smoke, for these reasons, maybe is worth a look at as far as the DraftKings perspective goes. No, I'm with you. And, you know, we talk, I, I mentioned that uh, any other division, he's probably not in the UFC right now, but at the same time, any other division, he probably doesn't have the opportunity, age-wise, experience-wise, to get this kind of, you know, fight count in the UFC because of lack of depth overall. So development, things like that, I, I don't think it's, um, you know, outside of the realm of possibility to see a, you know, measurable improvement in any time a young fighter steps into the octagon, right? It's kind of, you look at any athlete, 19-year-old uh, rookies in the NBA, there's going to be progression. And the issue is when there's not progression. At the same time, we could talk about a situation where there's three a three-fight skid. There's something going on there. And maybe it's physical. Maybe it's mental. Maybe it's a mix. Uh, I would probably invest uh, a solid amount of money. You know, but I don't know if I would go, you know, if I would really blow my load on the whole situation. Uh, I, I would definitely, if I had to pick um, a better, if I had to make a bet, if I had to say who's going to win with odds included, I would take Smoke. I feel like um, in the comparison to other other spots on the card, I think Smoke is the better value in comparison to Nikolai. Cool, cool. Well, b- before we... Uh... Before we we get we get out of here, let's touch on the top cards uh, on the main card, unless there's something uh, on the prelims that that we haven't really touched on that you. Uh... Well, there's a couple things, right? So um, obviously, I think uh, a big fight that's going to carry a lot of ownership is going to be this round tree fight, yes, right? Yeah, hundred uh, yeah, percent. Some of the best inside the distance odds. Um, these are big boys, you know. Uh, Roundtree has been great. He's been enter- he's been entertaining since tough. Uh, I like his style. Very violent. That soccer kick in tough was deafening. One of those things that you probably like don't want to see that often. Uh, compare him to Khabib. Compare him to Cyborg. Compare him to Tim Elliott. What are your thoughts? Uh, I, he's definitely tempting at the top there. Although this grappling talk was was getting me to look at the you know that that Nurmaga Madoff Elliott stack. We'll talk about Nurmaga Madoff maybe here in a second. Um, but but uh, but yeah, I mean uh, you know um, my thoughts on Alexi Juk, his, his his opponent uh, broke him down. He was supposed to fa- face uh, Cute Laba, the UFC 217 card. Um, it, it's built for it because you know you look at Alexi Juk, he's like he's he's durable and he's tough like most Polish guys, but he is so there to be hit. Uh, there, there, there's there's a clear speed, athleticism, and skill gap, and I'm talking about those as three different categories, by the way. Um, so it's pretty clear as day. Like I, I I haven't even looked at how juice that inside the distance line is on on dimes or anywhere else right now. Recently, to be honest, I'm I'm doing that minus two hundred five. Last I checked, for that, that sounds about as I was gonna say. It sounds about as juice to the gills as uh, as I expected. And 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 I don't blame it either because uh, that's where it goes. You know, you look at you look at Khalil's uh, 
proclivities there. And, you know, you know listeners of the podcast know I'm a big Khalil fan. Know, known him from back in the day when he was like 300 pounds and kind of crazy to see him now. But, uh, but yeah, this is a good matchup for him. Certainly better than Saki, uh, who they originally had him against. Um, I think it's going to be, bit, you know, I imagine, you know, you, you see this traffic more than me, but I would imagine it will be heavily owned. So for me, I would probably go more, which we'll talk about here in a second. Nurmagomedov, Elliot um, are the are the top favorites. Uh, I'm more looking at with you know, we'll see what I end up picking on 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 you know I you know me I always like to have my pick in the main event in my lineup out of like almost out of you know just 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 uh, you tell I haven't gotten much sleep. The words are escaping me here, but yeah, just kind of out of a unwritten rule. But yeah, oh, I don't I don't know if I'm gonna do that. You don't want to be the person who is going into the main event, you know, winning all the money, and then all of a sudden you're not winning any of the money, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm going to have a lot of Roundtree. I think I think that uh, one of the downfalls to Roundtree and Khabib and Cyborg and Elliot is that you know you can't have them all. Uh, similar to you know Ash from Pokemon, it's impossible. You can't do it. So uh, somebody somebody's ownership is going to flounder. You know that's going to happen. The key is to figure out is it worth it to take these chances. I think that if we compare Elliot's and Nemegamadoff uh, directly, I think we got to give the edge to Khabib. Uh, something to be said about Cyborg just steady scoring. You know, hundred plus points. Um, I don't know. Let's uh, let's see what we think about the you know the pay, the main card, right? We have a lot of people that are attractive there. At the same time, you have Cynthia Cynthia who is on a, like a, a heater, the female Nick Diaz, like whatever you want to call her, and she's going to have zero ownership because of all the uh, the people around her. Yeah, that's true too. Like I, I I almost even though I picked Calvillo, I almost wanted to start looking at Esparza for DraftKings as a possible maybe like you know take a punt for an upset, but for the for what you just said, it actually puts almost more value on Calvillo if you're already liking her to, to to kind of pick her as a dark horse here, especially if you if you think that she can get the takedowns or create a Smolka like type uh, or Elliot like type scramble. But I guess the reason why I like Elliot Nurmagomedov and the obvious Cyborg is because all three of their opponents can knock them out. Sure. Um, in fact, I think Barboza is more alive than most people give credit. I mean, I picked Michael Johnson to beat Khabib. You know what I'm saying? Like, it would not surprise me if Barboza iced Khabib. But the reason why I like those matches is because that means that the dynamic for the fighter that I want to, to win, or that I'm backing, the grappler, is that the dynamic of the matchup calls for takedowns. So that they're going to have to get takedowns if they want to just survive in there, much less win the damn fight. So I kind of let, um, I'm sure you kind of go in with a similar mindset when you're picking, but is that, is that, is that, a, is that a healthy mindset for DraftKings looking at the dy- matchup dynamics like that? Yeah, totally. But, uh, you know, going back to the Nagato call that we kind of both, uh, you know, somehow convinced ourselves that Overeem had a chance at 6,900, uh, chances are. Cavillo, Cavillo, Cynthia is not going to score as much as Khabib. Chances are she's not going to score as much as Cyborg. Maybe yeah. her and Elliot are a better comparison. Maybe her and Roundtree are, are more inside the realm. But, you know, things happen, and you have to weigh those percentages in your head, thinking, is this, you know, ownership you know, gap going to help me out? You know, there's always the chance that Cyborg, you know, falls on the way to the octagon, and that's 38 percentage, you know, cut right there, obviously. We these we don't expect these things to happen though, right? True, and and it's not like a, even Khabib uh, or or Elliot obviously or they're not really first round finish type of guys. So 
it kind of makes you more encouraged to, yeah, balance it out with a striker and a four, first round finish potential with a round tree in there, right? Sure, yeah. And uh, then we get to a fight like Condit and Magni. You know, I'm a homer for Magni. He trains at the same gym as me, and I, I want to pick him. I think that I would I, I kind of want to pick Condit too, but I, I don't see a situation where this fight ends early. You know, it's one of we have a situation where we have Magni, you know, plus three seventy eight inside the distance, not very attractive when we have someone like you know Roundtree up in there, and then with Condit, he's only one eighty five in the distance, and I think that's pretty generous. I was wondering, what do you think about? Obviously, the UFC rankings are broken, but it's it's almost like the public, I think, really gives Condit too much credit in this matchup. I, I think they do too, which is again why I was leaning toward Magny kind of coming into it. Um, there are way too many flags on paper, much less the stuff that I kind of hear in interviews. That which obviously is just my speculation. But um, but yeah, uh, for 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 anybody to be confident um, on him here, and uh, and I, I mean I'm a, I'm a Condit fanboy from the WEC and, and Rumble in the Rock, so I mean obviously you know I, I have that part of me in there too. For sure. So it, it was that. That's another reason maybe why I wanted to pick against him again. I, I, I tend to overcorrect the steering wheel for guys I really like. But no, at the end of the day, me being as unbiased as I possibly could, as per usual, I, I came up with I, I came up with Condit there. But but yeah, uh, temper people, temper, temper. Yeah, I'm trying to like ask myself. I'm trying to take a step back. Like, am I being a homer? Am I being too biased? I guess I get a little like uh, worked up emotionally when I see Magni at 12 in UFC rankings and Condit at eight when you know <laughs> Condit hasn't fought uh, since like what 2016. Uh, I think that's right. 2015 or 2014 or whatever it was. Yeah. So and obviously Neil has some losses. Uh, Larkin, they I, I bet the UFC hates that, right? Uh, since he's no longer there. Uh, then we see these other little matchups. And I don't know. I, I see uh, neither of these fights. I, I don't see any of these guys ending it early, right? Where we have other guys. You said that Khabib isn't someone who really ends early, but he's going to like really rack up those takedowns, which I, I can't see Condit or Magni really having clear dominance in any facet of the game. 100%. And uh, I guess to, to kind of close up talk here, all this talk and covering the card here is, is actually um, – Steering me back toward the person I was trying to steer away from, which is Cyborg, because like, <laughs> like, my, like my breakdown, I'm not just on Cyborg like a, a lot of people or the odds makers, uh, obviously with line, but for me, it's just the ground game, man. I, I don't think she's gotten a lot of, uh, of respect there. I think because she hasn't gotten been able to show it, um, or if she does show it, it looks like just like you're feeding little twigs into a wood chipper. So <laughs> it, 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 it's hard to it, it's hard for the normal, you know. It's hard for the normal eye to gauge where you have to kind of really pull out the microscopes um, of, you know, perhaps your own grappling experiences, you know, and looking at, okay, well, where's she putting her hands? What's she doing there? Oh, wow. Even though she has a clear advantage, she's still showing respect and she's not skipping technique. She's still, you know, and looking at in a micro and there's a lot to like about um, Cyborg. So I guess I'm leaning back more toward her now for maybe trying to fit her in the lineup because... You have the wrestling, the striking, and not just I'm seeing her finishing, but, you know, uh, her finish, her high propensity finish rounds. I'm, I'm picking three, which I'm guessing is probably the, the main guess, two or three. But she could, you know, I, I guess I wouldn't be that surprised. I'm not trying to discount Holly Holm at all, by the way, but let's be honest. I wouldn't be surprised if she catches Holly and takes her off her game early and finishes her within, within the first either. So you got a nice range of, of play there. So actually, I'm, I'm liking Cyborg a lot. What, what, do you th- what do you think about that assessment? Well, I got, I got two questions for you, okay. right? Uh, the first thing is, 
last time we spoke, we talked about, you know, this concept of like fighters having some sort of self-awareness, right? And how we kind of value that. In uh, the interview uh, Junkie had with Chris this week, she mentioned how like she made a mistake in 2012, right? And it's like, you know, no big deal. And that, that was like honestly like the first time that I've heard, heard her like address it like yeah. that clearly. And like that like, – like she was like literally saying like at first I, when, she, when she was talking about Holly getting tested and Jackson Wink, I was like, you know, shut up. You know, like it's it's USADA. This is what we sign up for. But then as I'm thinking a little more, it's like, OK, like it sounds like she's like, you know – comfortable with it almost and, and i think there's some power within that and being able to like move on past that and then my follow-up is like we get these talks about how holly is old right and holly's past her prime and you know she is gonna is she gonna be the oldest person to fight for a title or something along those lines right or and what do you think's going on there do you think it's overblown uh the usada talk and speculation and yeah that and holly's age uh, no, I don't – I mean I actually feel like maybe because I purposely uh, – between being busy and also trying to stay, stay – keep my analysis as least plagued as possible, I, I stay away from a lot of the jargon. But I feel like I haven't heard enough about it. You know, uh, I feel like you look at the two and their, their MMA resume and you would think that Cyborg is like a Noguera brother in comparison to her You know, as far as like miles go. But really that's not, that's not it at all. You know, Holly actually has more miles. Uh, she's older. Um, she has longer rounds, not just more fights, but longer rounds in both boxing and MMA. And then that sample size also plays the other way where, you know, she has all these fights in boxing and it's so, it's so, um, overblown, which is part of the reason why I, I didn't give her enough credit going into the Rousey fight because I got poisoned by the narrative of she's so big, she's so, there's so many multiple time boxing titles and old contrarian Dan, what that made him do, especially back then was turn the steering wheel completely the other way yeah. because I again I know that you know Chael put it much more better and, and he was much more famous so I'll, I'll cite him for what he was saying at the time about it but yeah essentially you don't understand like the, these world champions like uh, it's, we don't have an organized thing here in North America for men much less for females it's very watered down and if you actually do your homework and like I've I've run Holly through the tape a bunch of times and that's including her boxing. And uh, you go through, and there's much less to watch the, to, the, these days than maybe two years ago when I first started studying her. But none of these girls are, are very physical at all. Uh, you know, the, the, you're very seldom to find a girl that there's some skilled boxers, and that's why they're ranked, and that's why they were fighting Holly, at least some of them. But a lot of them were no different than, you know, look like a lot of these can matches you go watch when these Brazilian, not to pick on females or Brazilian females, but when you're doing the tape study for uh, sure. the, the female Brazilian regional fights, like, what was this? Was she in between cleaning houses, this girl, when you got her to fight her? Like, where, where did they pull this girl from? Like, there's a lot of those in there, too. And even the notorious Anne-Sophie Mathis, um, she was not, you know, she, you know, no offense, I'm not trying to... You know, shit or, or body shame I'm not I'm not trying to be that guy but you know, she was the Dan Kelly as far as like dad bods for yeah, girls hey. go you know she she wasn't that smooth she wasn't that athletic or fast but she was a pressure fighter who knew how to strike and it was that kind of dynamic that I've always kind of looked for when I picked um when I when I when I picked uh Shevchenko to beat her when I picked Durandami to beat her and same with picking Cyborg to beat her uh, it, it's these dynamics so it's a real tricky sample size with home but that, that's kind of my own soapbox I, I feel a lot of these things aren't really talked about with her 
Yeah, and you know it's not a good sign that someone as small as Shevchenko, who is you know going to go down to 125, was able to like you know stay with her in the clinch and be physical with her. Yeah, and you know that's not taking anything away from Valentina because she's probably like as you know a specimen in the same level as Cyborg. Um, But you know Cyborg is so physical, and we see Tanya Avenger, we see her do a little bit of a blueprint to. I think it's fair to say that she lasted longer than anybody expected. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think that, uh, I'm going to go with cyborg, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, she's not the highest scoring $9,000 fighter, which scares me because she is clearly, I think the most popular. Um, yeah. but I think that if, when I'm building my main lineup, it's going to be built around her and the, the, the next guy we're about to talk about it. And, uh, you know, it might be the number one bullshit if he doesn't win. Uh, Yeah. Okay. What's your, what's your opinion on this fight? So... I like the fact that, you know, Edson is such a good striker, right? Those leg kicks are hallowed, you know, whatever you want to call them. I think that the the leg kick and wrestling combo is not very good. I think that, you know, Khabib is so dominant. And we see have you, did you, you saw his abs on Instagram, I assume. Uh, yeah. There's no tiramisu involved. Um, I think that, th- I don't think that it's, I think that, Khabib should be the most expensive fighter on the card. Uh, I think that it's not going to be an early finish, but I think that he's literally just going to get him into some sort of crucifix action and, you know, just mounted, mounted damage the whole time. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out with five takedowns, you know, 120 significant strikes. Yeah, yeah, man. His guard passing is insane. I'm glad that you brought up the crucifix. Like, he almost just falls right into it. I love it. Um, yeah, I'm a grappling nerd. I go off when I was grappling all day. I kind of did, did it in my breakdown, but... Uh, yeah, it's just the dynamic of the match. I mean, Barbosa's getting better, man, and you can't take away from him. But the dynamic of the, the dynamic of his style is, is, is still the same, right? I mean, it, it's he's he's changed out parts, and they're definitely upgraded. They're better than they were years ago. But at the heart of it, it's pressure, right? It's pressure, not allowing him to set. Um, he's much harder to take down, harder to submit than people give credit for, which is why he's not taken down or submitted often, you know, when he is, uh, outside of, you know, demons like Tony Ferguson. Um, but that being said, you don't have to submit him. You don't have to TKO him on the ground. You just have to pressure him, you know, whether it's standing or on the ground, you know, um, same, same reason why I picked Michael Johnson against him back in the day. And pick Michael Johnson against Khabib. Um, but the reason why, you know, Barbosa can counter. He's improved his boxing with Mark Henry. But, you know, I don't know. I, I don't, I, aside from a, a Khabib ducking into a knee, which is very possible. Um, yeah, I have a hard time seeing Khabib not get going. And if he can get past that first round, it should be should be clear sailing. Not clear well, sailing, I think but, it's, you know. I think it's, you know, uh, easy to forget how close that Darius fight was. You know how how well Benio was doing before he 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 got that knee. Yes. And I don't want to you know disparage his 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 you know accolades or anything, but Khabib is probably dangerous in every in in you know more dangerous in in every fashion of ground fighting except maybe you know the finish. You know maybe Daniel is a little more uh, you know experienced that way. Uh, I, I don't see a way that this leg kick is it could be is having like the you know you talked a lot recently about combining skills of different MMA fighters. Is the leg kick versus the takedown like the worst combo for the leg kicker? Uh, leg, leg kick versus the takedown. So, in other words, is is, is Khabib like a, a, a worst matchup for a guy like Barbosa? 
In other words, yeah, I mean, it, it, that's the way I look at it. He's got to have some hesitance to lift up his legs at all, right? Yes and no, because Barbosa is such a outlier that he's hard to catch kicks for. Not only like mentally is it hard to gear yourself, but even if a guy is durable mentally and physically enough to gear yourself uh, for the hardest type of catch kick counter, like speed, uh, impact, uh, everything, um, it's, it's it's hard to catch. Man, he's just so damn he's so damn fast at, at setting it. Uh, but that being said, uh, I don't see that being the factor um, as far as for Khabib getting takedowns. And what I do like, I try not to look too much into. By the way, I'm kind of thinking out loud here. I think this is just going to be the main breakdown because we're, we're we're going like 45 minutes, and I'm liking this to be honest. Aside from my dumbass uh, waking up through parts of this, I'm actually really yeah. liking this. So I'll probably do a, I'll probably do you know there'll probably be an intro, some stuff that I want to cover for the podcast. But I'm liking this breakdown. So cool. I'll, I do I'll, ramble I'll, quite a bit. No, 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 no. <laughs> and I, I, I I'm doing so too, and I don't want to make. The listeners have to go back and listen to a couple of details and whatnot, and 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 again, uh, if you want my uh, my plays and whatnot, I will uh, I'll either pop back on and tack them on at the end here. Y'all know you can find them MMA junkie. But back to the matchup, and I guess what we're talking about here at hand is uh, I try to look too much into you know embeddeds or this or that, but um, I did pop on an embedded, even though again I try not to. I try to keep my filters filters clean, but I'm I'm pretty much done. It's just a couple of dot and eyes and cross and t's as far as plays go. The analysis is already done, and I'll be honest, I like watching nonsense when I when I when I eat some food, and I don't want to have to do tape study when I eat because I'll feel like I'm like okay, I'm picking out when I need to be watching something closely. So, anyways, mm-hmm. I I threw on the embedded and I threw on some interviews and pre workout stuff because you know you play it on the you know the YouTube UFC channel kind of auto plays. And what I was noticing in all of Khabib's shots is that he's keeping his head chest level, which is really important, mm-hmm. which is really important. Um, and, and I think it's intentional because Khabib is – it's hard to say because he's a, literally the most diverse takedown guy as far as where he hits you know, his, his Uchimata's hip tosses, inside trips, outside trips, how he just chains. It's insane. But he really does like going below the waist a lot, uh, especially when he's chaining. He loves – the snap down or just high crotch hoists and just going from those those low singles and kind of reaching down and starting his chain from there. So the fact that he's doing shots from the other side and keeping his head up and almost chest level is smart. Um, they know where they know where the danger zones here and 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 I think that I think they're dotting their eyes and crossing their T's. Do you think that just like obviously different sexes, different fighters, different weight divisions, but do you think that home is more dangerous to Cyborg or that Barbosa is more dangerous to Khabib? Barbosa is way more dangerous to Khabib, man. Um, as far as like things not being talked about, if you were to pick one random fact, I would say that just because Khabib, uh, even more so than Cyborg, uh, in a certain way, um, commands more of an aura as far as undefeated, as far as what's to be proven, right? Um, and, the war eagle. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and again, like that. That's why uh, I I felt crazy for picking Michael Johnson against him. But even though Khabib won, I felt less crazy if we saw how that fight played out. Right? I mean, yeah. I, I didn't feel nuts for saying that. Hey, dude, this guy's open for fucking counters, and um, uh, this is a fast guy who can wrestle, who's athletic, who specializes on catching guys coming in. Like it wasn't that Michael Johnson, you know. It's going to be a world beater, a top 10 guy, but I'm like, he just might be the right guy for the job. He's very athletic. I think that uh, he's probably has a, a pretty big edge on Barbosa in that category. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and again, I was wrong with the uh, with the Michael Johnson over Khabib picker, but uh, but 
I don't see that same dynamic here. And don't get me wrong, Barbosa's got a mean counter right hand. Like he's had one since back when he fought Cerrone. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. like he doesn't have weapons to counter. I'm, I'm not, dis- uh, but yeah, if anything, I'm, I'm, I'm actually not discounting him. Doing the opposite, I'm crediting Barbosa. I mean, he's he's very alive here because another thing with watching the tape is I'm still not happy with what I'm seeing from Khabib. I was really disappointed when he fought Daryl Horcher to see uh, that the striking did not evolve a ton. Um, should, that should be that should be a squash, right? It, it should be because he it actually impressed me a little more for for the bits little bits we saw in the Michael Johnson, even though he was getting tagged. Uh, again, you have to be able to di- dissect. Uh, you, have to, you still have to be able to grade things, and even when they're not the most impressive things, uh, there was a lot of improvements to, to Khabib's credit. But again, it's just not the improvements you should be seeing from a guy who, you know, his twenties are ending now, and he's been this phenom this whole time, and you're just like. Man, come on! Like uh, I know the rib and these other things, but c- 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 you know, with with the no sparring and contact or Dagestan or California, couldn't we have been shadow boxing and working on technique and getting boxing and getting kickboxing coaches? And I'm not seeing big big jumps there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm not seeing big jumps. In other words, is what I'm saying. And 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 the head movement defense. It's just uh, that 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 still bothers me. I still see he is going to be taxed by that. Mark my words. That's how he's going to get beat. I'm. I don't think it's going to be this time. But that is how Khabib's going to get beat. Yeah, and I, like like I was saying, I mean, when when I saw that Horcher fight, I was expecting just like utter domination, and I didn't get it. It wasn't as impressive as I expected, right? Um, I guess I guess we could move in right into the lineup. Um, I'll make it easy on you. We both like Chris. Uh, I went, you went first last time. I'll go first this time. So we'll start off with Chris Cyborg at ninety three hundred. All right. Um, since we got Chris there. Uh, Boy, you know what? Screw it. We just we just we just broke the match down. The dynamic relies on it. We're both high on him. I don't. I'm still the knockout. <laughs> and I'm gonna see where this price goes by the uh, where I do my article because I can't really commit until the prices are there as is the day of anyways. But uh, Khabib may or may not. But he's right there for a parlay piece. I'll be he'll be my personal parlays for what that's worth. I know I'm, I usually I usually give those so for for what that's worth. But uh, yeah, let's go Khabib here, and let's let's, let's give ourselves a real fucking challenge for the rest of the roster because those are all right. So that that leaves us at seventy nine. Sorry, right? Khalil. Yeah, so he's <laughs> gone. Uh, sorry, uh, sorry, Timmy. You know, not gonna work. Sorry, uh, sorry, Marvin. See you, buddy. Marvin, um, Marvin too. Not Marvin. I, I mean, at yeah, eight, probably eight, now. Six, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be tough. Yeah, um, let's no, go. Let's go with my uh, my homeboy. Dan, the hangman. Hook the hook hook. All right. Well, if you're going with homies and homie, – He's not my homie. I've only met him once or twice. Well, homie but I, begin- think, I think 75 is a good price. Well, homie begins with H. Hooker begins with <laughs> H. You know I've heard be- that. You know what else begins with H, Jordan? What's that? Hawaiians. We're already, okay. gonna, we're, we're already in a position. We put ourselves in a position we're going to have to dig deep on dogs. And uh, from what I'm seeing in the bottom five to six – um, let's do it. Yeah, let's let's put smoke in there. We're gonna need some room, and uh, for the reasons that we we already broke down. So after we uh, insert duh last samurai um, <laughs> at seventy three hundred, yes. uh, we have eighty four hundred left. So to be honest, we could do Marvin Vittori. Uh, if we did Khalil Roundtree, we would have 7,400 left and we would have to do Della Rosa. Probably not the best idea. Um, we can do maybe, oh man, 
Condon I don't want to do. I don't want to do the Casey because we have Hooker. Uh, Magny and Condon, I'm not so sure of that whole situation. Why don't we look at Tim Elliott, right? And we have 7,800 left. Man, if we do Tim Elliott, we can get in a, you know, we have Magny there. We could mess with. That's not a bad pick. We have uh, Ahmedov. He could get some takedowns. We talked about how uh, we like dogs that could at least score some points. Yeah, I want to go Tim Elliott at uh, 9,000. So we have 7,800 left for the final spot. All right, all right. Sounds good. I, I, I like that. Um, all right, so it'll be Magni on down for our last. I know who you. Yeah, I know who you're picking. I know. Yeah, I think we got to now because again, this isn't the. the this is definitely. This is a, a very Dan Tom logic and a very anti DraftKings logic, um, but. <laughs> Sometimes I'll just sell out on a dog, even if it's a dynamic like this where I'm, I'm, I'm sold on Glenn to the point where he's my only dog pick. It's not that I'm not sold on him, but I'm also very realistic. Um, on the, the Again, we talk a lot about dynamics of the matchup, right, and what's going to bring the – this is, this is going to bring the wrestler out of jury, but still um, I believe Glenn, who is, is, is not just a consistent, but he's a builder, and you go back and you look at it. it I'm not a big stats guy, but his stats do support this. Uh, I think he can put significant strikes so long as he cannot get controlled by Jury, which he is a good scrambler. And I got to imagine training at Team Alpha Males only improved his scrambles and guillotine, which he already has a good guillotine. And uh, you know, Jury, granted, it was but from Du Bronx, but Jury has been guillotined. Uh, maybe that's in his head. Jury does not do good with pressure. You go back and look at I Quinta in the house, Cerrone. Um, mm-hmm. And you look at the guys he's fought, really. It's like, okay, well, those big names, a shot Gomi, not just a shot, a shot Sanchez, but like a bad performance for what was a, a, already an era of shot Sanchez. That was the beef tartar Sanchez for those people who don't remember, um, where Sanchez was just super flat because he ate raw meat and was sick. Um, I mean, so really, you look at jury's performances and uh, you look at his resume, and there's not. You know the split a split decision win of Mike Ricci, My, the Michael Johnson one, but that's back at 155. That was also a transitionary Michael Johnson, where Michael Johnson was kind of just dropping a resume dot. He was kind of just dropping fights, um, was transitioning to Florida at the time. Again, not trying to take away from Jury, but you have to play that perspective game, and I think that all kind of came to the light with his his two losses in a row. Because if you remember before those two losses, people were super high on this kid. I think that hype kind of came back after the Mike Delatore win, who. I have kind of defended in the past, again, not a world beater, but in certain matchups, he's not like a, a, an all-out can. But at the same time, Mike Del Torre is not an impressive guy by any means, you know. So I don't. Sure. I, I thought the line was off. Um, the public agrees. Very long-winded there. Sorry, but yeah, let's close it out with some Rick Glenn. Yeah, I am cool with it, right? So obviously the uh, Homer in me has a hard time, you know, stomaching not playing Neo Magni in that situation. But as we talked about, you know, uh, Barbosa being more dangerous than home and our perspectives and everything like that, I have a hard time, you know, going up against Condit more than I do against Jury, right? Uh, yeah. And that's I think that's a good way to do it. Obviously. Uh, if you want to make some pivots and GPPs, if you want to make some, uh, that's one thing that I do all the time. I like to have a like nice little core of fighters and I'll mix and match. So if you take out Glenn, you could put in Magni. If you take out Elliot, you could put in Vittori and Magni, or maybe even, uh, Vittori and Akhmedov or anything along the lines, right? hundred percent. And Magni wouldn't be a, a bad pick. Cause again, we want to talk about dynamics. The, the dynamic for that match is Magni's going to have to wrestle. We kind of outlined that we don't think he's going to get a ton done against Condit, but that doesn't mean that he can't win slash that the dynamic of the matchup does not call for that. But I think what you're saying is that, you know, 
again, nothing wrong with picking Magni, but just another way to look at it here is there's volatility in all matches, but the volatility is on both sides in Magnet and Condi. Magnet and uh, uh, Magnet, <laughs> Magni and Condit. Whereas the volatility in Glenn and Jury is more so if you're favoring Jury in the sense of Glenn's a live dog, be careful. So in that kind of yeah. sense, let's be on Glenn for, for fantasy talk here because that, that, let's be on the side of volatility. Let's have it work for us in that case. Well, in all things being equal, why I don't want to target someone who might go down as like a Hall of Famer, right? I don't want to target someone who is like well-rounded in every facet of the game because they're sharp. They're crafty. That's why we see Dan Kelly, the dad bod, working it, right? So just yeah. to recap, we have uh, Chris Cyborg at 9,300, mm-hmm. Khabib Nurmagomedov at 9,100, Dan Hooker at 75, Louis Mil- Smoka at 73, Tim Elliott at 9,000, and Rick Glenn closing it up at 7,400. Dude, that, I, I that's think, the money I, right there. I, I think we just we just uh, wrote, wrote wrote my article for me, man. Uh, I'm gonna take full again. I'll be taking full credit for this. You get none. Uh-huh. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Especially, no, especially like when uh, we start off with a nice uh, fight pass, uh, curtain call knockout of Tim Elliott when uh, De La Rosa upsets the field, right? And our night is finished and over before it even starts. 100%. And I actually I actually went with a different uh, fantasy lineup than the one we did the last time on the show for what it's worth. But I cannot take any credit for it because even though it was a different lineup, you know who I did have in my lineup? Ooh. Alistair Overeem. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, thank God I at least picked Ngannou officially, so I didn't look like an idiot <laughs> and, uh, and, and cited the right fight for that. But yeah, fun stuff. No, I, I really like that lineup, man. I, that's that's a very solid lineup. Um, I can't imagine mine looking much different. I'm, I'm, I'll of course be going through, dotting a comb, having my uh, my article uh, on there tomorrow. Uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to add on before or after this, but dude. Thank you for coming on, man. We 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 have such a fucking blast, and we just we just go, and that's a good thing, man. Believe me, it's a good thing. Um, uh, just 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 yeah, man. Th- thanks for coming on again, Jordan. Hey, it's been a pleasure. I had a great time last time. I had a great time this time. Ta- you know, UFC 219. Uh, I have uh, you know 10 fights, not 14, not 13. Some things getting taken away, but still a lot of great fights to watch. A lot of money to win. So. Like I said, we're we're here, right? Definitely, man. And hopefully, uh, you'll be here uh, in 2018. Maybe you, you know, come back on, keep coming back on the uh, the program and visiting us here on the Potato hey, Podcast. Hey, you could count on anytime you need me. Give me a call, tweet me, send me a direct message at the Ordination Sports. Drop the O. Hey, if you guys need any lineup help, hit me up. I'm here. Dan, I know Dan's always there looking after people. I loved it the other day. You hit me up. Some guy was looking for NBA knowledge. That's 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 community right there. And I will close it. That's fucking community, my man. Right? We we're earning that explicit tag tonight. Perfect, perfect note to close it on because I was going to bring that up myself, man. And uh, thank you for coming strong, coming prepared, uh, coming awake, unlike the host of this program. So uh, triple tri- triple thank you again, man. And uh, look forward to next time, Jordan. Hey, me too, man. Cheers, bro. 219, let's do it. All right, peace. Tech Connect podcast, but like last week, we are back in a different spot. That's right. As you can hear, it's a different noise. 
Um, things got a little crazy. I thought I was going to finish my podcast in time, and I didn't. So you're listening to the third version of Dan Tom in a third different time and place, and another late episode of the Protect Your Neck podcast. Yay, Dan, way to close 2018 or 2017, you asshole. Can't even get the year right, and you're late. Thank you, thank you. I know. Only here. Only here. Listen, uh, I'm going to get the fuck out of here quick because this is a small window. Uh, I Essentially, now that... Uh, um, when you're listening to this, when I'm recording this, uh, recorded the part with Jordan last night. Thank you again, Jordan. Hope you all dug that. Recorded the rest and was supposed to finish the podcast this morning, but my computer literally shut down. I had to re-record some things or redo some things, re-sign into some things. The computer is salvaged, so that's all that matters. We are back here. We are getting this done. And to touch it up, my betting article is already out, so hopefully... You've been listening to me this rant this whole time and plug MMAJunkie.com where my analysis has already been out, so you weren't waiting on this year's show, but I know, I know, the details, right? Uh, closing up, I we ended up going with the, the fantasy team that, that me and uh, me and Jordan uh, hashed out on the, on, the, on, the, on the program there. Um, and uh, so that was Chris Cyborg at the top, Khabib Nurmagomedov, Marvin Vittori, Dan Hooker, Rick Glenn, and Luis Smolka. Um... I will say about the Smoka and Nicolau, again, I don't know how much I... I was kind of half awake. I apologize for that. I don't know how much detail I gave as far as, you know, uh, oh, you know, my thoughts on that pick. Like, why do you have Louis Smoka in your fantasy? You pick Nicolau. Yes, yes. Um, I wanted to pick Smoka. Believe me, I wanted to pick my fellow Hawaiian there. But 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 again, you know, just... just, just, just Rewatching footage, and even though it's kind of risky with Nicolau with the layoff, you know his, his boxing and his, his his grappling should keep him safe here. But Louis Smoke is one of those weird cats, man. He's got one of those weird styles, and shoot, I wouldn't surprise me that he showed up. So I, I tacked, I ended, I I did end up tacking on uh, on there at the end there. Um, as far as straight plays go, uh, again referencing off the article at MMA Junkie, I ended up going with uh, Rick Glenn, my only official dog pick, as I as I said earlier in the show. Um, he's only plus 170 now, sadly. Uh, hopefully you were able to get him at plus two th- 240, which is what caught my attention earlier this week. I only played him at a half unit. Um, and I'm pretty sure I already explained, you know, broke down in the last segment why I like Glenn as opposed to Jury. That tricky southpaw style and whatnot. Uh, Marcy, uh, <laughs> Marvin, sorry, my handwriting is fucking terrible as per usual. Marvin Vittori, uh, like, I, like I alluded to, was my parlay piece. And I did end up pulling the trigger on Khabib Nurmagomedov. Of everything, you know, uh, an undefeated prospect uh, uh, in a matchup that calls for grappling for him to win, survive, stay alive. Well, I, it's really just hard to, it's really hard to turn down even at minus 280, especially with the limited selection that we were talking about of only 10 fights. Furthermore, my only prop actually hedges uh, the Khabib play or any potential Khabib plays, which was Khabib Edson won't go the distance minus 125. I thought there was, I thought there was a lot of value. Um, in that pick, a lot of times, you know me, I'll try to do props uh, to kind of get creative with props. Go at go at certain fights and angles that I might be heavily exposed on to maybe alleviate some exposure or outright hedge the exposure. Um, I went for an outright hedge since I'm playing light here, and I went plus 175 unit, which is big for me. You know, Dan Tom, Dan Tom barely goes above a unit because he's so fucking cheap. Uh, plus one point, uh, 1.75 uh, units there for uh, Khabib Edson that won't go the distance because the three most likely outcomes is, in my opinion, Khabib by submission, Khabib by TKO, and Edson by KO. You can argue the order you want to put those three in, but I... Those are the three most likely outcomes. I'm like, yes, I, I could. It's an important fight for both guys. So, by my past logic on this year's show, I could maybe pump the brakes and fit that logic, and maybe 
come Saturday night. I'm going to wish that I did, but you know what? Um, I really like that prop. Uh, that's the only one that I listed. I also played Vittoria Inside the Distance, probably about plus 157. Uh, for what it's worth, I did not list that. I know a lot of y'all. By the way, shout out to Derek Love, the special, the Derek Love third round flyer. Shout out to you, sir. Um, he always asked me for my third round flyers. That's why. And I actually played Condit round three. I mean, one, um, I predicted Condit to win round three. And two, I, I predicted Condit to win round three because that's his round. You know, round five, Robbie Lawler, right? Round one, X, you know, steroid knockout guy. Well, you know what? Round three belongs to uh, Carlos Condit. No, it actually belongs to Brian Ortega and Yoel Romero, obviously. But Carlos Condit is, is an unheralded round three guy. Uh, when you look at his performances, uh, even in, you know, the fight with the GSP scoring the knockdown, Robbie Lawler uh, coming to life and taking over the Johnny Hendricks fight, which luckily for Hendricks is only a three rounder. Uh, round three has always been a strong round for Carlos Condit. I did sprinkle there. I also called Cyborg round three. I know, safe pick, whatever. But even though, I don't want to say safe pick, I'm seeing a lot of people on Holly, even though the line's not reflecting that, so I guess people aren't putting their money uh, down on that one, which I, I guess I don't blame you. I mean, it's not like you're getting the plus 1,200 or whatever stupid odds you got for Holly against Ronda, but no, I, I think Cyborg gets it done in round three. So I, uh, I sprinkled on that too. Um, and... I'm just going to look at, uh, pull up the card and, and, and see if there's any of the plays. Oh, the avoid list, I'll go over that while I'm going down the betting list. Smolka and Nikolau, for the reasons I was kind of saying, the intangibles there. Elliot De La Rosa, um, that's one to kind of stay away from. Obviously, uh, you know, De La Rosa's got some skills, uh, some boxing. Uh, I don't know if he boxed or not, but he's, he's, I like the way he moves his feet and his hands. Obviously, he has a little bit of a, a decent, serviceable wrestling jiu-jitsu base there. I think Elliot's scrambling ability, like most cases, is going to decide that fight. But still, I'm, I'm going to stay away from that. Elliot also shared my former coach, Robert Fallis. So you never know with intangibles there. Um, not trying to, you know, be insensitive, just... Just is right. Uh, Hooker D. Casey. Um, that's on the avoid. My man Dan. Dan the man Hooker. Love Dan Hooker. I think he's live, and that's just a close fight. The odds are right. So be careful on those ones. Um, thank you guys. Got some more five star ratings and reviews. Got an, uh, I'll read the review next time. So thank you again for that. Again, not going to read the Amazon and on it list, but thank you guys so much for those of you visiting mixedmartialanalyst.com to support this here show. And I guess we got 219 this weekend, and I want to get the F out of here because it's, a, it's already a shorter window. Uh, again, uh, hit me up uh, at DanTomMMA. Let me know what you think of those potential awards or rewind at the beginning of the show. I listed seven categories. It's going to be open voting. We're going to try to figure out what the award show is because the next time you will see me will be the after party. That'll be tomorrow night, baby, or tonight if you're listening into it on Saturday um, after the podcast with Joe and Brian. A little too quick of a turnaround to do an award show, obviously, for you and us. Uh, and then, you know, the following week, I'll be on vacation, but I already have a top five episode lined up, and hopefully the awards show will come out then. Your opinions are welcome. The lunatics run the asylum. Um, yeah, I've, you got enough analysis for me. You got enough stuff. Uh, I'm going to drink this. Jose, some games. Oh, yeah, fucking Israel. <laughs> Dude, I am, a, I am a big fan of... I'm going to pr- ruin his last name, but... Uh, oh, my God, why is it coming... Uh, 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 Israel Adesanya, that's it. Um, he uh, he's awesome, man. Obviously, he's the guy that just got got signed. That you might see people talking about on Twitter. If you're a hardcore, know who he actually is and followed him from kickboxing. 
Uh, you'll know he is a middleweight to light heavyweight-ish. He kind of flows from weight classes, depending. He's settled at 185. Uh, kickboxing phenom, man. I hate to say that he reminds me of John Jones because he gets that all the time, and I hope he goes a different path than John Jones, but this kid's got fucking charisma. It jumped out. I mean, forget that he's an amazing fighter and, like, the, the, the talk, but uh, he came in and, like, Again, Dan Tom used to teach. Dan Tom used to be in acting. So Dan Tom has a little bit of different perspectives. And yeah, if I was in acting school and I was a teacher, I would have been, oh, this kid's got fucking, this kid's got some skill. This kid's fucking got it. He's got it. Like his mannerisms, his gestures, um, he's very animated in the right way. It, it was awesome. And, and he also smuggled us in a little bit of alcohol, uh, you know, those little like bar sippers. It was apparently from a fan who listens to the show in New Zealand, but Israel, so intact with the with the people and he's, he's he's fucking cool as shit he smuggled uh some booze in our fanny pack so i'm gonna down some jose cuervo cuervo and cheers to you guys for the end of the year for sticking with me you crazy fucks oh jose cuervo he's fucking terrible man he's like fucking high school and bad decisions oh and i'm a guy who drinks like bourbon neat okay oh god ah, bad move that was for you guys thank you fuckers Good luck on your plays. Catch you for the after party. This isn't the very last show of the year, but it's the last breakdown show of the year. We're fucking one day away from this show's one-year anniversary. I can't believe that I'm fucking here, sitting in the MMA Junkie Radio studio, talking to y'all. I don't know what the fuck's going on, but it's an amazing time in life. Um, I wish you guys the best. I'm truly fucking grateful for all y'all if my incoherent rambling is not making that clear. And until next time, that's right, protect... Yeah, next.